0: Hello and welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. It's March 9th and this is Off Chain, your weekly recap of the biggest stories in Web3. I'm Matthew Housebarby and as always I'm here with Austin Knight. How you doing Austin?
1: I'm doing all right. We've got a little bit of a down market. Uh, I think first the first two weeks down uh, for crypto and ETH in 2023, right? So that's a bit that's... of a bummer would you have put that
0: bet though at the start of the year that we'd be saying, <laughs> I know
1: that is like, true I shouldn't complain <laughs> it's
0: pretty incredible right and I think you know there's a lot of wider macro concerns around rates and I think yeah I think it's fair to say and I think we've been saying this for a while I think the market got ahead of itself in assuming that you know the the fed is gonna not just slow down but even start reducing rates by the end of this year it feels like that's just definitely yeah. not gonna not happen. gonna happen um yeah and we're gonna be covering some like crypto specific uh reasons why we're seeing a, a particular downturn at the moment one in particular is the situation with Silvergate Bank. This is a huge developing story. We've got a big update that we're going to share on here. We're going to talk a little bit about NFTs and uh, Tensor's plans for their pretty monumental airdrop. And on the on the note of uh, NFTs, we'll be following up on the story that we were covering last week around Yuga Labs' 12 uh, fold ordinals collection on Bitcoin. That wrapped up. And then a st- uh, a lovely story from my uh my old buddies <laughs> in East London uh getting uh getting caught up in a, in a in a few little issues so we we'll, we we'll, we'll cover all that and more uh, let's jump into our first story of the day Silvergate Bank has been going through a, a rough few weeks I think it's fair to say um I'm going to dig into this in a little bit of detail, but I want to explain why we're talking about a bank. Uh, so Silvergate Bank, this is a one of two really big uh, crypto-friendly banks. And in particular, they were used by most kind of major crypto exchanges and large crypto firms for their on and off ramp from fiat. So they announced last week that it had to delay filing its annual 10K forms, annual accounts, uh, because of questions it received from its independent auditors. And they actually came out and said that, you know, they have concerns around Silvergate operating as a going concern. And Silvergate's stock price was down around 65% in the past week up until yesterday. Now, almost immediately last week after this announcement, Coinbase, Gemini, Crypto.com, and a host of other... Kind of big names, cut ties with Silvergate, Uh, the likes of Paxos and Circle, uh, Bitstamp, Galaxy Digital, they were all using uh, Silvergate as their primary banking solution. And it's almost ironic that, you know, the underpinning of crypto right now relies on banking, uh, traditional banking, (laughs) but, you know, uh, it it is what it is. And I think that's always going to be a need. Um, off the back of this, Silvergate had been having some discussions with the FDIC, that's Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, a U.S. regulator, to figure out ways that they could kind of keep the bank alive. U.S. regulators really want to avoid a collapse here. Um, and you've got to imagine that this would be another big, big sign of additional regulation or more fuel to the regulation argument fire. Um should this kind of end up in a full uh, kind of uh, meltdown now <clears throat> white house Prec- uh, press secretary karine uh, jean pierre said that the white house was quote aware of the situation uh, regarding the uh, regarding silvergate and they'll continue monitoring the reports Um, They didn't really come out and actually mention Silvergate explicitly, but they'd, they'd said it's obviously the latest company in the cryptocurrency field to experience significant issues. Now, how has Silvergate got to this situation? Well, they lost more than $8 billion in deposits from its crypto customers in the final months of 2022. And this was kind of largely a result of the FTX collapse. FTX was, coincidentally their largest customer. So you can see how this, what was actually uh, around 2018, 2017, just a kind of nothing regional bank that then took on this new play of scaling pretty rapidly into uh, a a crypto-focused bank. Even when you just look at H1, first half of 2020, they had 881 Digital currency clients. By the second half of 2022, they had 1,620, um, and you know their, their assets that they um, that they held were, I think, from even just 2019, it was around about one two billion, all the way up to 11 billion. So significant growth. Major news as of today: Silvergate is liquidating shutting down operations, liquidating, this is not good news. Uh, the stock plunged more than 36% in after hours trading yesterday, one good piece of news. Well, hopefully this is going to happen, but you know, they, they shared a liquidation plan on Wednesday and all deposits will be fully repaid according to the liquidation plan. Now, I mentioned Silvergate was one of two major banks that were servicing major crypto clients. The other, which we've talked about in a few previous episodes, is Signature Bank. Silvergate has just over $11 billion in assets. Signature, $114 billion in assets. So if we had to pick one of these two that we'd be okay with dying, I would definitely pick Silvergate over Signature. But <laughs> I, I, I don't think we understand, understated how... Unfortunate this is and mm-hmm. it seems like there shouldn't be a huge like systemic risk of um capital loss per se it's much more a big challenge on the infrastructure side i saw that circle actually no i think it was yeah i think it was circle pay had to stop all of their ach um purchases with dapper labs and a few other big kind of projects uh, because they're having like issues with banking this is a critical point uh in the supply chain of crypto uh so yeah not great news eth has been down uh at <clears throat> the kind of start of the day uh, along with Bitcoin the rest of the market in response to news not a crazy amount of things already baked in as of last week where we saw a bit of a Biggest uh, plunge downwards, but not great news. This happening, yeah,
1: it's it's a bummer. Um, I will say, and maybe I just wasn't seeing the, the writing on the wall, but I was a little bit surprised to see them shutting down and liquidating this quickly. Yeah, um, you know, I I think that the sort of yellow and red flags around Silvergate. I mean, we've only been seeing them for I would say less than a quarter at this point. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to see that of course, on top of the fact that we were seeing what I would call some yellow flags from Signature Bank not too long mm-hmm. ago with their sort of behavior with or, or relationship with binance, rather. Um, so it's a tough one. Uh, there's you know, another sort of component of this, as you saw from the White House's statements on this, and other Congress people have been talking about it as well, this is going to be yet another push for regulatory scrutiny. Um, Of course, which, you know, Matt and I have been very clear, we need smart regulation Mm -hmm. around these types of things. I I think that there was some speculation that some of Silvergate's uh, operations were maybe operating outside of the bounds of the law. I'm sure all of that will be unfolded, you know, going forward. Um, But the hope here is that this (laughs) doesn't become, you know, yet another sort of uh push for um you know regulation that maybe could hurt signature bank or other uh play you know future players in the space i i hate to have just one major player that never really
0: works right
1: yeah so. you don't
0: want a single linchpin do you it's yeah not, you know <laughs> it's not great so it does feel like i i will say for for a bank like silvergate you got to kind of commend anyone that is going into this space That that is not a business to uh for the faint of hearts it is a very challenging business to build and maintain a bank servicing digital currency like clients and being the i guess like the foundational layer of capital flow in the crypto space that is challenging and high 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 risk sure big rewards potentially but it's uh it's tricky i think that what I would like to see is much wider adoption of uh, crypto-friendly banking solutions on both the commercial and like consumer level. Yeah. But I think what we need for that to happen is clearer regulation. You're not going to have yeah. a Bank of America, et cetera, taking a gamble on a somewhat unregulated or at least unclear area, especially through a lot of the enforcement um, that's uh, tactics that have been playing out uh, recently, it's just too risky for them. So, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, it, <laughs> I mean, the whole the point of a bank I like.
1: is the the whole point of like a bank traditional banking system is to feel safe right and yeah. that's that's what clients want that's what customers want and by extension that's what banks want you see these huge banking institutions like you know you mentioned bank of america so many others they're going to want to feel safe or at least feel like there is a healthy balance of risk and reward and um i think that you know we we start to saw, we started to see some traditional players entering the space, uh, a year plus ish ago because the risk and reward calculation was a little bit thrown off by the insane level of reward that was going around. Um, look that, that, uh, that sort of calculus is back to being, uh, you know, very uh, off balanced, uh, and not in favor of investments in the, the crypto space, uh, the risk is just too high right now, uh, especially without a clear regulatory framework that these institutions feel comfortable operating within and feel like they can navigate without accidentally, you know, stepping on a landmine. Um, so I hope for, for, for more clarity there, I'm sad to see what's happening to Silvergate here. And I hope that, you know, this, this doesn't create more contagion as we've seen over the course of the past
0: year plus yeah fingers crossed all right let's jump into our second story of the day
1: tensor is an nft marketplace you may have heard of it they're planning a massive airdrop for solana nft traders uh Yeah, the NFT marketplace wars, they're continuing to heat up. We were talking about this last week when we covered Blur's growing market share. Well, this week, Tensor, which really was previously a pretty small contender in the Solana NFT marketplace battles that are occurring, uh, they've been gaining a lot of market share. And part of their strategy for doing this, it looks like, is that they're mimicking Blur by targeting pro traders and providing loyalty rewards for using their marketplace. We went into a lot of detail about Blur's Mm. loyalty structure. Uh, Head back into our previous episodes to, to dig into that. It really is interesting what they've been doing over there. And of course, you know, not too clear how sustainable that is long term, but a huge push is being made by Blur to gain market share and compete with OpenSea. Uh, and then now, what you know, what we're seeing here with Tensor is that they're copying some of that playbook, or at least they're inspired by some of it. They launched their season one airdrop on Monday, and what happened here was that anyone who bought or sold a Solana NFT on any marketplace over the past six months would be eligible to claim free what they're calling reward boxes. Um, and then the people that did that on Tensor would receive 25 to 50 times more rewards. So there yeah. is an incentive, of course, to do it on Tensor. but in this first airdrop, it was open to anybody who had bought or, or sold a Solana NFT. Um, now what these rewards are is unclear, but Tensor did launch its own token not too long ago, which I think is generally expected to be part of this. So more to come there. Um, with that said, I like, wh- you know, what's interesting to me is the impact that this strategy has had on Tensor's market share and their trading volume. In fact, Tensor Solana NFT trading volume surged to a new single day high on Monday. They traded a little over 23,000, solana or which i accounted for about about 400... 10 bucks is that 10 bucks now? <laughs> <laughs> oh my man yes <laughs> sometimes it feels that way yeah. <laughs> um but no it's still worth something so uh that accounted for a little under half a million dollars in mm. uh trading volume 2800 nft trades and that actually makes up about 19% of all Solana NFT trading volume over that 24-hour period. Um, You have to remember, Magic Eden is a huge player in this space. They're about 60% of that market share in the same 24-hour period. So that's a pretty big spike still for Solana, or for Tensor, rather. Uh, Tensor had only accounted for about 6% of Solana NFT trading volume over the past 30 days. So 6% to 19% in that, you know, one twenty-four hour period. Um, that's an impressive spike. And you know that, you know, the likes of Magic Eden are paying attention to this. What's it's interesting amazing. is that...
0: It's amazing what giving people free money can do, isn't it? For uh, I know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, no, the, the wrong. I lo- I love free money. I love I'm here yeah. for the free money. Uh but Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the, you know, the, this is a uh I mean, this is a classic playbook. It's it's happening in, in you know, in the case of uh, nft marketplaces right now and in in the crypto space but look i mean uber did this for years and years and years burning vc money yeah. to become a loss leader to outcompete taxi companies amazon did this and continues to do this to um you know become a loss leader in books and then in, in other sort of commodities and products uh it's why you don't have a barnes and noble on on your street corner anymore
0: <laughs> when when barnes and noble token that's what i want to know that's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah
1: know. you know what on on barnes and noble i actually do have a barnes and noble not too far from me and i will say it is fabulous i actually wow. love going there
0: <laughs> yeah like the uk equivalent is uh waterstones we don't have barnes and Noble, uh-huh. and yeah i love it I love it. Yeah. Like, Nothing like a good book. Smell of a book. It's great. It's great. It's so
1: true. Um, anyway, uh, we digress. So, Tensor, right after this, announced that they raised a $3 million seed round led by the VC firm Placeholder. And what, what I thought was interesting about this is that actually the two co-founders of Solana participated in the round. So, um, yeah, this this growth that they pushed uh did result in uh b- them being able to raise some capital and you know you may be aware matt um it's really difficult to raise capital in this space right now Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it- it's an impressive feat that they were able to pull in some cash um and then after that they announced the launch of an even larger second season airdrop sound familiar um mm-hmm. where they will only be rewarding trading activity on tensor Rather than the broader Solana NFT market, Uh, and surprise, surprise, this has a loyalty component to it. So, very similar to Blur's playbook, which was working for them, and appears at least right now to be working for Tensor as well. So, something to keep your eye on.
0: Yeah, and I think the takeaway for me on this is that you're going to see NFTs getting pumped because Mm -hmm. people have looked at the uh, the Blur airdrop. They did the math. And by and large, a large chunk of whale traders were by and large wash trading uh, to farm rewards. And it was very profitable for them. So expect a whole heap of additional NFT activity uh, happening. And also, I think if this plays out well for Tensor, we'll just see more and more and more of these um, same kind of playbooks playing out it, it wouldn't surprise me if we start seeing these on other chains like Arbitrum and polygon etc starting to to pop up so <clears throat> yeah i think you know it's uh the ponzi's gonna keep going and we'll see we'll see how it uh see how how long it lasts i am interested in particular with blur to see how they cope long term and who knows Maybe. I just
1: don't see how it's going to work without like some, yeah.
0: you know, incredible
1: capital infusion. The the math just doesn't add up for me. I mean, we don't know exactly what the expenditures for uh, Tensor are in this case, yeah. but we were seeing, you know, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars in the case of Blur. Um, how are you going to float that long term? Uh, you know, in in your ecosystem, when your market cap, I I believe was like $400 million prior to their second season drop. Uh, It just doesn't make sense. And so to me, it feels like it, it, you know, it could be a flash in the pan, maybe not, maybe there is like a long term strategy or pivot that that happens. Um, But I, I think that our sort of perspective on this probably still stands which is be careful you know um before you ape into these types of things uh there's there's probably going to be a lot of volatility and i do you know personally i perceive there to be a significant
0: amount of risk here oh massively it's worth calling out in all of these um unless you like 90 percent, maybe more of all of the rewards from programs like this similar with blur go to less than three four percent of users. this is like whale games to farm rewards and again like dump retail so unless you really know what you're doing here are going to be going in on size i just stay away is my honest opinion on this Um, I got a little lucky with the blur airdrop mainly because I was like, actually just was using their platform without the focus of rewards, um, for a few trades. But outside of that, yeah, it's, it, it is a false game in my opinion. Um, unless Mm -hmm. you are just heads down in the NFT trading space and really have a decent chunk of capital to play with. Um, but yeah. All right. Let's jump into some more NFT related news. Last week, we talked about the Yuga Labs' much-anticipated and somewhat surprising announcement of their 12-fold Ordinals collection. That is their uh, 300-piece generative art collection on Bitcoin. We've talked about Ordinals already on the podcast several times. And uh, the auction was quite controversial, I thought. (coughs) I, I certainly wasn't a huge fan of how they set this up, but, you know, it... Yuga's going to try and maximize for for profits. The way they set this up was that the 288 highest bids would win, basically. Um, 12 of these NFTs or inscriptions were reserved for the team, philanthropy, donations, etc. So that's why there's 288. So it's basically just like put in a blind bid, uh, one per wallet, and like if your bid is at least within the top 288, you will be charged whatever you bid. The thing I was surprised at is actually the highest bid came in at 7.1159 Bitcoin, uh, $160,000. I actually thought we would see more than that, to be honest. It looks like, uh, so that's about 103 ETH at roughly current price as well, if we kind of translate that out. I thought we were going to see more of a frenzy. I thought we were going to see something absolutely wild because of the auction structure where we'd see like a 20, 30, 40 even uh, Bitcoin bid come in. Um, The lowest bid came in at 2.2501 Bitcoin, so about 50K uh, USD. And the average seemed to be about three Bitcoins, so about 66K. Um, I, I am just quite surprised at the that the average was around that level. We'll see what happens on secondary market. Um, I imagine we'll see a lot of speculation around this. Uh, I think a a little controversy arose because Yuga structured the auction so that all of the bidders just had to simply, to send your, uh, to make your bid, you had to just send your Bitcoins directly into a Yuga-owned wallet. Any unsuccessful bidders would then just have Yuga send their Bitcoin back to them. And, you know, it's like, okay, fine. But this actually sets a really bad precedent for future auctions because it's completely relying on Yuga being a good faith actor. Uh, You imagine if this kind of becomes the standard for Ordinals uh, auctions, scammers will love this. Bid to the highest bidder. Any un, uh, unsuccessful bids? Oh, yeah, we'll just send back your Bitcoin at the end. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how <laughs> how much I would enjoy doing that. Uh, so it, it didn't feel great. There was a lot of backlash on Twitter. Um, in the inscriptions—that's the name for the uh, the NFTs on Bitcoin via Ordinals—they'll be distributed to the winning bidders uh, in the coming days, so we we'll get to see what they look like. Uh, we don't really know what they look like at this point in time, but. Interesting. I'm still very excited about the Ordinals ecosystem and what's happening on Bitcoin right now. Uh, what Casey Rodemar's has uh, built out with Ordinals, I think, has been very interesting. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think it's going to be a huge part of, of, of Bitcoin's history. And we'll see what Yuga Labs do with uh, with this collection if they're going to do something particularly innovative uh, in its design and construction. So, yeah, we'll we'll keep tabs on it for sure.
1: Yeah, I'll be honest with you. You know, Yuga is. Obviously, a relatively trusted name in the space. Uh, there is no way in hell I would send seven BTC or a half of a BTC to a wallet owned by them, and just uh, you know hope uh, that I would get it sent back to me if my my bid wasn't the winning bid. I mean, um, I, and so to me, yeah, like I agree. <laughs> I yeah, topic. seriously. Yeah.
0: I mean, no, I, I, after all I,
1: we've seen. Like, exactly. look, way more trustworthy players than Yuga have collapsed, either through malice or incompetence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there's no way that that I would be doing that. And to me, like your point, Matt, this sets a bad precedent uh, on the, the sort of scammer side of things. But also I have to imagine that, you know, they, there's probably some lost opportunity there on Yuga's part. Like, I, I imagine a lot of people didn't enter into bidding because they didn't like the way that this was structured, right? Yeah. Um. So, anyway, I I, I know that it's a hard thing to orchestrate, uh. But that one, I, I I found that particularly a little sort of
0: bizarre and unsettling. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think it was it was kind of reckless, um, and definitely sets a bad precedent. Uh, it. it it is still a bit challenging managing some of these mints on uh, Bitcoin, yeah. mainly because of the fact that um, there is a lack of infrastructure. Like you don't have like the same kind of like smart contract up and ease of use that ETH does. However, you know, as, as kind of ironic as it would have been, it probably would have just been better if they'd have done this via ETH and just (laughs) that way because it kind of doesn't really matter like they're just taking cash and then they're manually sending out to uh to like the 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 nfts to people it's not like there's like a smart contract mint that's happening on eth so kind of didn't really matter i i I can see why they would want to do it natively on bitcoin it makes sense but there are better ways to do this so anyway we'll keep tabs on this right let's jump over to sunny london for uh, from a story about my fellow compatriots
1: the fca and the met police are continuing their bitcoin atm crackdown in east london
0: they've got me all right they've got my, they yes. got my hustle it's my side hustle it's all it's, it's crumbling around me damn it <laughs>
1: Ah, uh, yes, the Bitcoin ATMs, are favorite. Uh, so, okay, the UK Financial Conduct Authority actually for some time has been cracking down on Bitcoin ATMs, and they recently focused their attention on East London. But you may recall they had a similar operation in Leeds earlier this year. Um, yeah, so it turns out, I actually didn't know this, Matt, but no Bitcoin ATMs that are presently operating in the UK... Have been registered with the relevant authorities. So this means that every Bitcoin ATM in the UK is technically operating illegally, at least according to an FCA announcement back in March of last year. Uh,
0: Interesting. I actually <laughs> yeah, haven't wild. seen any Bitcoin ATMs around. Uh, yeah. Maybe I've really been looking hard enough, but I haven't well, noticed them.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I, I I will follow up on that uh, a, a little bit later here. It doesn't surprise me that you haven't seen one. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, but they do exist. Yeah. So uh, Mark Stewart, he's the executive director of enforcement and market oversight at the FCA, was quoted as saying, This operation, alongside last month's action in Leeds, sends a clear message that we will continue to identify and disrupt unregistered crypto businesses in the UK. So this is definitely a focus for them. Um, You may recall, back in 2021, Bitcoin ATMs did explode in popularity globally. Uh, In fact, over 2,000 Bitcoin ATMs were being installed monthly around the globe during the summer of 2021. Uh, That trend has basically reversed, uh, with just about 1,000 Bitcoin ATMs closing down between February and March of this year alone. So... Uh, we are heading back toward a mean there. Uh, currently, around 1,500 Bitcoin ATMs are operating in the European region. So this okay. is the entire EU, right? But in the UK, there are just 18 operational Bitcoin ATMs that we're aware of. So that's probably oh, right. part of the reason why you haven't seen one.
0: Have you um, ever used a Bitcoin ATM before, Austin? I,
1: I've I've never used one. uh and i have never uh, well i i've only seen one in brazil actually um Mm. at least that i that i recall uh and this was years ago like way before um 2020 well not way before but like a couple years prior to the explosion in 2021 i would say i saw Um, i
0: saw a couple i think when i was in new york one mm -hmm. random thing i saw i was on holiday in croatia last year and uh i was just at the like Um, I can't even remember what it's called now. The uh, Bureau de Change, the like foreign exchange kiosk, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, I had to change into uh, whatever the uh, Croatian currency prior to it just recently going into the euro as I can't actually remember, but um, I had to change some cash and you could actually change into Bitcoin uh, there and there Mm. in the foreign exchange. I was like, oh, but I, I, I actually... Maybe I'm being a little naive. I don't even know how that works. Are they, like, yeah. just dump it into a wallet address for you or something like that? It's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm kind of – my curiosity is peaked. I'm going to have to search out one of these 18 unregistered AT- – no, I'm not <laughs> to, don't, police don't come after me. Mark Stewart, stay away. Uh,
1: <laughs> it would be interesting to visit one of them. Yeah. Um, There is, uh, yeah, so there's actually this website that you can go to. It's coinatmradar.com. And if you just type London, UK into it, you'll be able to see all 18 of the known operational uh, Bitcoin ATMs in the UK. Um, Yeah, you can also type in the United States here. uh, And what you'll find is that there are 32,164 Bitcoin ATMs in the US alone uh mm. so that is much more than 18 so it doesn't surprise me matt that you didn't see one on your home turf but you did see one in new york
0: <laughs> yeah um, i'm just searching now to see what my closest one is i'm actually on the website mm-hmm. i got one 10 kilometers away let's have a little look at this one. Uh, <laughs> oh, in the exotic i quote exotic off license and groceries in wembley how lovely yes uh yes. yeah no yeah am i might might skip that. Uh, got a nice little photo of it. It looks quite nice. (laughs) Uh,
1: So this is the part that I think is really interesting here. So believe it or not, out of all 32,164 Bitcoin ATMs in the U S of which that's actually 86% of the global total. So they're overwhelmingly concentrated here. I, I honestly have never seen one here. And I was thinking like, how is that possible? Yeah. That like I have never run into one of these things. I mean, I feel like I would remember it, you know? Mm. Um so I did a little bit of digging on, on Coin ATM Radar and it turns out all of these things are in gas stations, convenience stores, liquor stores, tobacco stores, souvenir shops, uh, and uh, the, uh, maybe the worst, cash advance shops. Oh, um yeah, no
0: that's not Yeah.
1: Good. So these are all places I, I don't go to. I, I drive an electric car. I don't go to gas stations and all of the other places aren't really sort of like, you know, my, I don't know. I just don't go there. And I, I, yeah. I think that, um, you know, look, probably sitting right next to these machines are like lotto ticket dispensers. <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's just yeah. the truth. Like, it you is. know, um, and I, I know that these things have like huge, uh, you know, transaction fees and everything like that. I, I think that they're, in some ways a bit this is just my personal opinion i think they're a bit predatory right um so it, and that tracks with where they're being placed and who they're being marketed to and everything like that it's a bummer i think it taints our space especially yeah. you know um in the mainstream um i was you know a, a little bit happy to see that in london at least there were a couple of these in coffee shops i don't know yeah. what your coffee shops are like matt i imagine
0: uh, they have a beautiful <laughs> beautifully locally roasted uh a brew that you can get a hold of uh, in there uh no i bet they are places of pure despair is what i would say <laughs> but uh, yeah i guess you can buy and sell bitcoin at the atms i'm just like looking at like the photos of of this i mean mm-hmm. yeah i mean if you want to have untraceable cash i guess this is the way to do it it looks like in all the photos that i'm looking at here there's cameras above each of them and stuff so at least they're kind of doing something on that front but yeah. I I I wouldn't I wouldn't love to have to trust one of these. I guess like what do you do? Do you like put your private key in it or something? I'm like very intrigued here. Uh yeah. I'm going to have to go on an, on a mission where I go and use a Bitcoin ATM now on iOS. Yeah, I you know what? I've
1: Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. I've got a a couple of these not too far from me since, you know, I've I have 32,000 at my disposal. <laughs> um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm uh yeah, I'll drive I'll drive my EV over to a gas station and get stared at.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try
1: one of these and uh yeah, next episode. Let's report back on on what our experience is because I i remember like seeing some of these that were super scammy where like they would actually spit out like a
0: plastic like oh, a gold coin. coin. Oh, yeah, it's so bad, isn't it? It's so awful. Yeah. Yeah. So Give it a try. Well, (laughs) let's see. Let's lose some Bitcoins. Uh, It's it's going to be (laughs) wonderful. (laughs) All right. I think that's all we've got time for, Austin. As always, it's been a pleasure. And of course, I'll see you next week.
1: Talk to you then, Matt.